Brothers and sisters, it's time for Angel Repair Juice. Welcome to another edition of Angel Repair Jews. I'm Volk Henry-san. Vo- Vo- and I'm, I'm, I don't know how to handle that. Matt, and I'm Matthew Pancake, and you're listening to, <laughs> you're listening to a podcast that has a very particular niche. It is anime from a Lutheran perspective. The niche is good. The niche is live. Yeah, that's just a little bit of silliness that we like to throw in there because. Because I learned that from a podcaster, you know, the the deeper the niche, the better off you'll be in the long run. Because eventually people will find it and go, oh, this is the only place I can find people talking like me. You know, if you find that particular niche. So it turns out that there are some people who are Lutheran or that particular type of Christian who wishes that they could watch anime, but their church tells them that they shouldn't. This is the This is the program for you. So... Henry, are you feeling better this week? Last week you were a little under the weather. I feel pretty much better. Pretty uh, yeah, seems like you're the one who's uh, feeling like crap now. Uh, I'm not feeling like crack. I'm, I'm, I'm crack. <laughs> I'm just I'm just tired. You know, I'm just it's one of those days. You know, where you're just what well, just sort of wore out, wiped out. You know, kind of wish that you know you could just go to bed and sleep for two days but you just don't have two days that you could waste on sleeping so no you've got to record angel repair juice yeah i have angel repair juice to do see folks so you know my vicarious sacrifice for for you you know so that you know you can know these things from a lutheran perspective about anime you know that's what it is that i'm doing for you that doesn't sound the least bit self-serving does it (laughs) But, I mean, not, not really. I mean, we put in all the time. We don't get money back. We don't get thank you cards. Um, Once in a while, you know, oh, yeah, now, that's good. That's a good segue right there. We Make a note. That's a good way to make a segue because what we should do is we should tell people this. Made it. Yeah. Got the note made. You, you got the note made. It's we should made. tell people this. AngelRepairJuicePC at gmail.com if you'd like to send us an email. AngelRepairJuicePC. That's all one word. PC is literally a PC, but it doesn't mean politically correct. It means podcast. Angel Repair Juice PC at gmail.com. You can also find us on iTunes, by the way. Uh, we finally got that feed fixed so that our shows are showing up there again. Three of them popped up in one day. Everyone was, yay! Um, so you can do that. You can also find us on Facebook. There's a page there, and there's a group there. Both of them are called, guess what, Angel Repair Juice. And you can find me, Matthew Pancake. You can find Henry Volk on there. I usually don't tell people I don't want to be their friend on Facebook. You've basically got to really make me angry. I mean, and you wouldn't like me when I'm angry anyway. But you'd have to do that. And you can. is there something we're missing? Oh, the Twitter feed. Twitter. And that's A-R-J Podcast. Is that how it goes? Yeah. Okay, yeah, but that, you gotta have that little at symbol. Yeah, the at, at symbol. ARJ. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, that's that's true. Um, I, one of these times, I'll do a Google and see if that pops up at the top because we have one of those unique things. If you hear the words "angel repair juice" and you type "angel repair juice" into a search engine, you know, I don't care which one it is, we're pretty much it. There's there is no other angel repair juice in the world. <laughs> Finally, nope. I have I have a show that's like see like when we did Radical Grace, we had to start calling it Radical Grace Radio because there's another Radical Grace out there. Mm. You know, once or twice I've thought about getting rid of the title, making a new one, but I have no idea what to call it. But do, do Hen- people ever confuse you like like lump you in with Joseph Prince since that's his tagline? No, well he he likes to do that, yeah, but that's why I call it Radical Grace Radio, and I tell people, yeah, Joseph Prince ain't me. You know, besides which, how do you get it? How do you get it mixed up? This Prince Pancake, Prince Pancake. Well, I'm not I'm not saying that it's a case of mistaken identity, but you know, they they want you in the Prince camp. No, because you know, you're all preaching radical grace or something like that. Yeah, well, yeah, but he doesn't really mean what we mean. <laughs> so, <laughs> do, do you think he would come on the podcast to talk about anime? Who, uh, Joseph Prince? Prince, yeah. uh, I don't know. We'll have to send him an email. Find out. Yeah. 
Who knows? Who knows what will happen? I mean, where is he based exactly? I don't even know. Is he's he... in Singapore. I was a big princeite for a long time before I became Lutheran. Oh yeah. So he's in yeah. Singapore. I don't know if he would even know about anime or care about it. I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they get it. I imagine it's highly sanitized over there. Oh, I'm sure. Pretty... Well, it's but, uh... it's you know it's close. I mean, it's not China, but it's close enough to China where I'll bet you that they would like to say, yeah, we're going to follow China's rules on this. And China's kind of like, there's a whole list of anime that's not allowed to play there anymore. So, there you go. Now, you want to go ahead and do this thing that they, well, that they, now I almost did it, that they sometimes call the anime Firehose Roundup. Does that sound right to you, Fi- anime Firehose Roundup, Henry? That, uh... I suppose. You suppose? Still not suppose. exciting? Um, can we get a fire hose sound effect on that? Maybe maybe that'll boost the excitement. Maybe that'll boost the excitement. Okay, that's yeah, fine. I, but here's something that, um, before we do it, um, since we did say that you could email at angelrepairjuicepc at gmail.com, send us an email if you would like to see this thing cut together like it's a video. Um, I had this idea here a little while ago. Uh, Henry and I were talking about before we started, where we might consider taking one of them and repurposing it and see what it looks like. If it works and it's not very difficult to do, we could actually take the audio from this and turn it into a video and you guys could watch it. So send us an email, angelrepairjuicepc at gmail.com. So let's go ahead and do this thing that, for the time being, we're calling the Anime Firehose Roundup. On this week's episode of Young Blackjack, Isama, along with his American comrades, have been taken as prisoners of war. They are beaten and tortured by the Viet Cong. When the others see and ask about all the scars over uh, on Isama's body, he tells them that he got them as a child after surviving a bomb explosion. When a Viet Cong slips one of Isama's comrades a key, the group is able to escape. However, now they must survive in the jungle in their weakened state. Luckily, they are discovered by Yabu take him back to his base for medical treatment. However, Steve's graph won't hold forever. That's the soldier that uh, Hizama performed in a uh, first aid on in the, in the battlefield, uh, unless he receives a proper surgery. So when Yabu calls the American military base, they send a military doctor who is pretty much the American equivalent of Hizama, but licensed to practice medicine. And of course they clash. However, he is extremely skilled and, you know, not unlike Azama. So after the procedure, the doctor and Azama gain a newfound respect for one another and they sit back and chill and become buddies. In Lance and Masks this week, guess what? Yotaro has a nickname and from now on I'm going to use that. Yota, they call him. Makio feels like there has to be some way to get Yuefang to feel more at home with everybody, so she decides that everyone needs to go to the local hot springs. Much hilarity ensues, but Yuifeng does not want to take a bath with the rest and promptly destroys the bath and flees in her birthday suit. Yota, who being a boy is not actually allowed to be in the bath till later, sees Yuifeng flying through the trees with her sword drawn and has no choice but to chase her down. Later, Sai asks Yota if he is indeed Night Lancer and she accuses him of being too nice and reckless with reference to the fact that he risked his life to save her two episodes ago. She and Yota finally come to terms with his knighthood and that thing, the, um, I can't even remember what it's called now, the White Knight Syndrome. Still later, Yoifeng feels remorseful for her actions and striving to become good, she stays up at night trying to, put, trying to reconstruct the bath that she destroyed. But Yoda dons his mask and appears as Night Lancer, forgiving her and bringing the bath back to life for her. On this week's Gundam, Iron-Blooded Orphans, Tekadon prepares to take Ina Bernstein to Earth. However, as soon as they leave Mars orbit, Garbahorn shows up to stop them. It's apparent that Toto sold everyone out and uh, the crew begins, begins to give him his uh, just desserts. Miguel's Farid and Galileo uh, Bodwin demand that Tekadon surrender Aina to them. Of course, they refuse and reply by sending Mikazuki out in Gundam Barbertoss. Mika is able to hold off Garlhorn's forces and Tekadon is able to retreat. They send Farid and Bodwin a little present. They tied up Toto with the words, I believe this one is yours, written on his belly. At the end of the day, everyone has a hearty chuckle. 
Sinoji Usagi, who wields a Hecate and acts as the 35th Test Platoon's sniper, has learned that her family is marrying her off because her grades are way too low and she has only one month left until the wedding. In the meantime, the Academy is sponsoring a witch hunting festival which offers prizes of cash and prestige and Kusanagi enrolls the, plut- the platoon immediately. Usagi's fiancé, Tenmyoji Reima, recently transferred into the school and when she runs into him, it becomes apparent that she's afraid of him. Otori is summoned to the student body president who tells her that a witch named Mephistopheles killed all but two of the platoon members around the time that Reima showed up at the school. Meanwhile, the rest of the team decides to help Usagi get her grades up by winning credits in the festival. This week on Attack on Titan Junior High. Where it's become apparent that a lot of his friends are pairing off, Jean is still pining for Mikasa. But when John receives an anonymous love letter in his shoe locker, he's ecstatic. So much so, he changes his hairstyle and begins wearing cologne. John begins mining the letter for clues, and since it says that his admirer is always watching you, he concludes that it must be someone in the class. Is it Sasha? Is it Krista? But soon another love letter appears, this time falling out of Annie's pocket, and the whole class catches her in the act of putting the letter in John's locker. The letter reads... Come to Shingeki Park after school. But when Jean goes to the park and finds Annie there, a startling truth is revealed. But I'm not going to tell you what it is. In this week's One Punch Man, Saitama and Genos take their physical and written exams to gain ranking with the hero organization, where it doesn't take long for Saitama to break every known strength and agility record on the books. Nevertheless, he fails his written exam and gains a mere C ranking while Genos aces everything and is granted S class. Later, an emboldened Genos asks his new master Saitama to fight him all out, whereupon Saitama handily beats the blonde cyborg without so much as breaking the sweat. However, it's unknown to either of these heroes that, that the organization is deeply interested in Genos. What's Saitama to do about this? Well, challenge Genos to an udon eating contest. Yeah. And that's a thing that we've sometimes called and maybe will continue to call the Anime Firehose Roundup. The uh, end, the end. Go ahead, go ahead, what? I was going to say, so an udon eating contest, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, that was that was particularly funny. <laughs> it, no, I have a funny anecdote involving noodles. Uh-oh. Okay, so, uh, go ahead. This last Friday, um, uh, the, the university where I work and go to school, we have a very large uh, international population, uh, mainly Chinese. Yeah. So we have... Uh, an enormous amount of Chinese restaurants. So we actually have a small um, international store, which is uh, Chinese. Um, so uh, sometimes I go in there to buy snacks and um, food and whatnot, noodles. Really? So okay. I, yeah, who would have thought? <laughs> but, but anyways, I, I, I go in there and at the corner, they uh, not the corner at the checkout, Table, they have this box full of these little packets of um i don't even know what they look like man they look like fish bait okay these little these little strips that are covered in chili oil and so so i asked the guy who apparently doesn't know much english i said so what what are these and he's like chinese food i'm like really okay yeah <laughs> Uh, but what are they? And um, what did he say? He's like, um, I don't know. Uh, so I'm like, so how do you eat them? He's like, it's spicy. I'm like, okay. So he was starting to get like really peeved. And so I'm like, well, this little pack can't be more than like a dollar. So I go ahead and I buy these things, right? Okay. So then I then I write my buddy who knows some Chinese. I'm like, so dude – what are these things? And he's like, oh, those are like noodles. And they're really spicy. And he's like, you shouldn't eat them because they're prepared in an unsanitary manner. 
And I'm like, oh, great. And I'm like, could you like explain more? Then he doesn't write me back for like three hours. He's like, oh yeah. It's like it's not a big deal. He's like the people like when they make them, they just don't wash, they don't wear gloves. But he's like, nothing your immune system shouldn't be able to handle. I'm like, oh, but yeah, there were just like these little tiny noodle strips, maybe like an inch long each, uh, and they're just these little tiny noodle things in this pack of like they're like covered in chili oil. It's the weirdest thing. Okay, but when are you going to get around to the part where you actually ate them? <laughs> well, tell <That's>... you what. <laughs> we're going to do this right now live on Angel Repair Juice. Uh-oh. The eating. Now, wait a minute. I do want to um, be able to finish the program. So, <laughs> Oh, oh we'll, we'll be able to finish. Just, this is the, the eating of the noodles on Angel Repair Juice. This is live. Matthew, could you, could you go ahead with the, with the, the commentary? I, I guess because I can't see you doing it. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, I, I have the pack of noodles in my hand. Okay. I'm Let's... setting down my phone to open the pack of noodles. Okay. You can hear the pack of noodles. <laughs> I'm grabbing the scissors to open the noodles. Yeah, I'm grabbing a knife to open the noodles. <laughs> That was the sound of the opening of the noodles. <laughs> okay, I, right now I'm smelling the noodles. <laughs> it smells kind of like Arby's for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I'm taking out a noodle, sniffing the noodle, looking at the noodle. Okay, here it goes. Going in. Are you there? Okay. Okay. What? Okay. This is really weird, man. <laughs> Not bad. Are you seeing things? No. It it tastes like bar like spicy barbecue sauce. Well, that's almost a letdown, then. It, yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's like barbecue sauce. It's like you it smells like smells like Arby's. It does, man. I mean, kind of. Remember when Arby's had the, uh, the barbecue? Yeah, that's what it tastes like, man. It tastes like an barbecue, but it's a noodle. <laughs> Is this like like you're supposed to like? Uh, it's like a snack. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's a snack. Oh, okay. I thought it was like, you know, you open the noodles and throw them in and... <laughs> no, okay. it's a snack. Oh, Sorry, okay. Made. I'm opening the noodles. Wait till you hear that back. That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm looking. <laughs> so, are you okay? Are you alive? Are you, like, um, dying? or? I'm still alive. I mean, I could always dial 911 for you, I guess. Do I have your address so that it, like, like if you needed it, you know. Um. Oh no. Oh no. I'm starting to see things, man. The room is spinning. Uh oh. Spinning. Um. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm okay. I'll be okay. I'll be able to continue with the show. You'd be able to. Oh, good. Good, because I'd hate to have to do this alone. <laughs> <laughs> Henry, rest in peace. November. <laughs> The, the last show of Angel Angel Repair Juice, the Cause juice of death. eating noodles, yeah, eating noodles. That's yes. my noodle. No, the juice didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, I need. Angel he needs repair. a bottle of Angel Repair Juice. Yeah. You know, we should make like Angel Repair Juice. We'll make it like a you know a juice bottle. People can buy it. We yeah, sell it. Enough. Angel Repair Juice. Gave a big angel on the side of it. An angel, yeah, an angel, an angel that ate the whatever those noodles are and needs desperately, you know, and is wounded from it and desperately needs a bottle of angel repair juice. Are you sure you're okay? <laughs> I, 
think I'm okay. I mean, I've, I've eaten a lot of Chinese food in my days. And, I mean, like, well, I'm I have too, but I also learned where the limits are, you know. Well. I don't generally go, oh, yeah, that, that sounds like creepy dangerous. Yeah, let me eat that. <laughs> well, I, I can one-up that because the time before last I went into the store, and I've seen this at all kinds of international stores I've been in, and that um, – that apparently the, the Chinese love to eat these small, preserved, little anchovies. Okay. Fried. So there was, I love spicy peanuts. Um, it's one of my favorite things to get at like Chinese stores when I go in. And so they had the spicy peanuts with these little fry mixed in. And um, have you ever got like the, uh, the spicy herring plays? that come in like the sardine cans oh not in a long long time okay that's exactly what this what the spicy peanuts with the fry taste like oh yeah the anchovy fry yeah oh okay okay well that that's that's sort of lame <laughs> it's kind of yeah. it's, a, it's almost like yeah I'm, I'm opening the noodles smells like arby's that's <laughs> <laughs> There you go. That's that's the that'll be the thing. We can make the angel repair juice taste like that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and it can say, it can, it can be the tagline on it. It says tastes like Arby's, but it's not. Yeah, tastes like Arby's, <laughs> but it's not. Yeah, we got to put but it's not on there because you know they'll come along and try and like sue us into oblivion over. Said so, no, it's Angel Repair Juice. It's nothing like Arby's. It says so on there. It's not Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the most confusing product on the market. Yeah, it's like oh, it's I the most know. confusing show on the market. People go along yeah. and they see on on iTunes. They go Angel Repair Juice. What is that? Who knows yeah, what it, that is? And they hit it and they, and they and they press it. Now I've never. It's never occurred to me to do this. To say this is what you got to do. Think about how the show starts. You got the music playing like it's like it's um, evil Halloween music, and <coughs> and it says it's time for Angel Repair Juice. I can imagine people pushing pause and go, "What is that?" <laughs> you know, um, we got to start thinking about this image that we're projecting here. It's it's time <laughs> for Angel Repair Juice. <laughs> You know, sometimes people will like our our page on Facebook, and I have no idea who they are. You know, so, sometimes typically, typically you get a lot of um, mutual friends or mutual friends of people in the group or people who like it. But sometimes you get these people out of the blue who like the page, and I'm like, "Have you ever even listened to the show? Do you have any idea what Angel Repair Juice is?" Well, see, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing is, you see, that's the reason why I always try and do, I, I tell people say, yep, there's an email address. I do the same thing for, for, uh, Radical Grace Radio, but I get more feedback by using good old social media, you know, finding on, uh, on Facebook or, or on Twitter. So, you know, that's, if people want to do that these days, that's what they want to do. I mean, as a matter of yeah. fact, contacting people anymore is, you know, I never say, "Oh yeah, I got to get on my email and do that." I, I, my, I, you know, I'm not even a young person anymore, and I'm thinking, "Yeah, I got to." No, no, not email. It'll be Facebook or something instead. Yeah. Or yeah, I'll call true. someone, but I, but I rarely use email to send something to somebody, talk to them. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, typically, I, I think email has been relegated to more or less professional use or informal. Yeah. Or formal, formal conversation. Yeah. You know? Okay. Before we go much further, because we're coming close to the bottom of the hour here, why don't we real quick set up what we're going to talk about on the other side, which we should have already done, but we didn't. Yeah. So on the the next half of the show, we're going to talk about a myth. And a Kate, myth or just myth in general, but we we are going to talk about a myth, uh, a very uh, important myth in Japanese mythology and culture. But we're going to talk about myths in general. Hey, Matthew, did you know that there are myths in the Bible? Really? Uh-oh. You're going to have to explain that one to me when we get back. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You're going to have to explain that to me. Well, we're going to have to explain it to everybody when we get back with more Angel Repair Juice in just a few moments. Stick with us. Stick with us. 
this is Trina Nishimura here at Indiana Comic Con, and you're listening to Angel Repair Juice. Brothers and sisters, I have come today with the good news of Angel Repair Juice. You see, Brother Bill, Brother Bill Shatner, can I get an amen? Brother Bill Shatner received a vision from beyond, from beyond the final frontier. Can I get an amen? In which he received, hallelujah, the angel repair juice. So if you would save your souls, I said if you would save your souls, send me a love gift seed faith offering of $199. That's a prophetic number, hallelujah. Can I get an amen? It's a prophetic number. I will send you a personally anointed bottle of angel repair juice. Does your soul need repair? Then get a bottle of angel repair juice. No refunds. Show again, Matthew. It's not it's not Totoro juice, is it? <laughs> no, it's not Totoro juice. It's Angel Repair Juice, as a matter oh, of fact. That's right. You're the noodles on me, man. Is that what it is? The noodles look at yeah. you messed up. Okay, so you're listening to Angel Repair Juice. Can you do that while you're like while you're messed up on the noodles? Can you try that again. I, I don't know, man. Uh, hey, dude, you're listening to Angel Repair Juice. Hey, My dude. What's your name, man? My name is my name is Matthew Pancake, and I have not dipped into the Arby's noodles, um, which who knows what that's doing to my partner on the other side of Skype. There, the best I can do over here is some beer. I have no idea what it is that he's gotten into over there. So what kind of beer are you drinking, Matthew? Did they ask for here? Here we'll know we'll know what kind of uh, what kind of trouble we're in. Uh, by this, did they ask you for an ID whenever you bought the uh, the noodles? No. Oh well, then it must. It just must be your imagination. It's a placebo uh, thing, is what it is. Ah, uh, uh, that must be. It. They they pumped it up and see. It should have been a come down whenever you realized it tastes like Arby's. <laughs> that sh- that should have been the come down right there. To that's true. It's yeah. true. And the fact of the matter is, is I had my beer earlier. Right now, I'm just having a Sam's Cola. Yeah, that sounds that sounds dull compared to I'm opening the Sam's Cola. <laughs> I am this is this is the sound of the I'm not gonna do that because it'll make a mess. So <laughs> it's not the same as opening dry noodles. <laughs> if, I open, if I open this next to a microphone it'll explode, there'll be soda everywhere, and there won't be an angel repair juice for a while. So Okay, so on this side of the break we're gonna talk about I think this is partially Henry's idea talking about myth. Uh, but it, I think it plays into what we were talking about last week, which okay. is meaning. Um, you know, it's it's not. See, I have a theory about myth. You know, people, various people have meanings of something. You know, something will happen, and they'll say, "Well, this was the meaning of it," or "This was the meaning of it." And there'll be a group of them, and eventually, it comes around to uh, everybody kind of agrees this is what what it means, um, which is a good thing as long as you're not inventing a religion while you're doing it. Um, which then it becomes a bad thing. That's why Peter would say, you know, I think it's in Second Peter, so we did not follow cleverly devised mythos. You know, mythos actually refers to the pantheon of gods, polytheism. You know, there's just so much of it. There's just this sort of chaotic world out there of gods where they're fighting each other and that causes whatever the calamities are and there's pretty much nothing we can do about it um, except maybe try and get out of the way. <laughs> so, it's kind of like angel repair juice. And, kind of like what? angel repair juice. You know, yeah. whenever you see it coming, just try to get out of the way. <laughs> Is that what yep. you're saying? Yep, we are. Uh, but well. it, but anyway, but, but anyway, Henry's actually got some better ideas than that. So go. That was just my theory. Go. To, probably more or less. But no, no. I was. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. Uh, it's like a blog slash website. It's called the uh, the Art of Manliness. You ever, ever heard of this thing? Well, I have now. Okay. Well, <laughs> new to you. Um, so yeah, I saw this on Facebook the other day, and it was a post um, about 
the friendship between uh, Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. And uh, Tolkien was a very devout Catholic, and uh, Lewis was an atheist, but they were friends. And um, I believe Tolkien was the uh, was an English professor, and what, what was Tolkien? Um, may have been like linguistics. I, I may be totally wrong here on that. But but anyways, they were friends, and um, just through conversation, um, Lewis eventually abandoned uh, his atheism and became a theist, and then he became a Christian. But uh, one, one thing, um, as the article um, pointed out, was is that they both had a fondness for the old North myths, and um, and so. I, if I remember correctly, what this article um, says is that there, there's this myth of North uh, Norse mythology of like Ragnarok. It's like this Norse apocalypse, yeah. Um, after which there's you know like this utopian age, and and so Tolkien would like key in on these things. But so, but there's a great quote in this uh, blog post that I stole, <laughs> just about <laughs> the nature of myths. <laughs> yeah, according to Tolkien. Sadly, this is not my brainchild. I, I wish it was because it's really great. But anyways, here it is. Myths, Tolkien explains, are not fairy tales, intentional lies, or mere fabrications, but are instead powerful vehicles for revealing the world's deepest truths. All myths, he argues, illuminate layers and dimensions of existence that are often missed by our narrow human vision. In this way, they can actually be more real than what we normally call reality. Tolkien posits that mythmakers exercise a God-given power and act as sub-creators who share piece, pieces of the ultimate truth that is hidden from plain sight. All the world's myths serve as a prisms, serve as prisms through which we can see fragments of divine light. Stories, Tolkien argues, are sacramental. And so... I think you know, last week we talked about um, meaning and um, interpreting things and how to understand things. And one thing that you find in um, anime or in, I would say, literature or even now with movies generally is myth. There are, um, uh, I think of like superhero movies. These are essentially myths of these superhuman beings that um have extraordinary powers but yet in many ways are just like you and me and they do these heroic tasks and there's usually some moral or point to everything they do or they serve as um analogies for other things um sometimes they're just entertaining but typically it's it's both and so i I think when when we look at things according to myth or look at things as they are, uh, like in a mythical context, we're able to uh, relate more things to Christianity. And and that, I think, requires us to realize that maybe there is some myth in the Bible. And, oh, yeah, there it is. I'm glad yep. you reminded me. Yep, yep. The haze of the noodles has wore off, so now we have to get to the... Get to the, the, contra- <laughs> the controversy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and, and of course, too naturally, it just when we hear the word myth, we automatically think, oh, "Well, if it's a myth, then it's a lie. You know, it can't be true." Because uh, sometimes I think we have this very wooden view of the Bible that everything has to be, um, you know, liter- literally true in this kind of scientific historical um, way. But um, for instance, I'm just going to put my views out there on this, like. Um, subjects. Take the book of Job, for instance. Do I think the book of Job is history in the sense that everything that is recorded in the book of Job actually happened? Everything that Job said, he actually said, someone was there to write it all down. I don't. I think that it's possible that a person named Job lived. Um... Uh, and of course, if you, if you read the book of Job, Job is not an Israelite. Uh, I believe Ur 
it's in Chaldea near Babylon. So he's a Mesopotamian, and but he's a God-fearing uh, Mesopotamian according to the Book of Job. And you know all these tragedies befall him, and we find out that they are the result of this um, encounter in the heavenlies where Satan and God are in essence kind of bartering over Job. Satan goes and says, well, you know, Job isn't as pure as you think he is. If you allow me to touch his physical stuff and, you know, afflict him, then you know, he'll deny you. And God says, well, go ahead. Don't kill him. But go, Job will always remain faithful. And then, uh, it's a very philosophical book. You know, he has his three friends that come and they argue back and forth about why these tragedies have befallen Job and, and see where Job, goes into this depression and then you know i'm not i'm not going to go into the whole thing here but you know it, it's very possible that the job is just a piece of literature you know that, that none of this actually historically happened but that it's still divinely inspired that maybe the point of the, the book itself is not that all these things physically happened to Job, but that there's a moral to the story that the uh, that the author is trying to um, portray about the nature of the universe, about God and other um, spiritual beings, about the nature of sin and justice and creation, etc. Yeah, you just use a phrase there, moral to the story. Um, understand also that that is a 19th and 20th century construct, that you know, it's not really morals. A moral to the story isn't really kind of the point of, yeah, of older yeah. stories. You know, there's there's more going on in them than just that. Oh yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Like, like I said, yeah. they're painting a whole picture there with that story. Um, yeah, there's a much more complex thing going on in Job than just you know. Oh yeah, these are you know Job and his three friends, and that's uh, you know a real thing that happened, and someone meticulously wrote all of it down. They meticulously wrote, but they were using it as a way to talk about things that you normally wouldn't be able to talk about them. Yeah. The same way that uh, Shakespeare talks about things, you know, guess what? He, like Hamlet, for instance, it's semi-historical, but it didn't happen that way. Nothing happened that way. <laughs> yeah, so, it's, it's a literary device. Yeah. That's term. It, yeah, to talk about something, you know, in terms of, um, the, in terms that an audience can grasp things that you know he could spend hours and hours and hours and maybe years teach trying to teach somebody the things that he wants to in just the the span of like four or five hours he can you know get these points across and people are walking around on the streets talking about it you know yeah. that's that's the 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 incredible power Tolkien would agree with this the the incredible power of packaging it that way instead of just saying. Yep, we're going to spend the next six weeks going through a textbook talking about these ideas. I said, nope, I've got this book that you're just not going to be able to put down, and you're going to be talking about it. And you know, all this time later, people are still talking about his books. C.S. Lewis is the same way. Yeah, Shakespeare's oh, the same way. You can go all the way back through history and find it that way. So yeah, you know, and too, I'm, I'm just going to put this on the line that like, take for instance Genesis one and two. You know, everyone debates. And debates and debates you know, about in you know the uh, origins and whether it's uh, whether you can fit an evolutionary paradigm into Genesis or uh, whether things are you know literal six days and they go back and forth and and you know what I think of when I read Genesis one I, I think of some you know uh, like Bedouin like um, Israelite you know someone like Moses who's all old and he has his gray beard. And he's sitting around the fire, and he has all these children with him, and he's recounting the story of how God made everything, and he's just telling the story, you know, um, it, you know, and he and he goes and he details all these things, but it, it's like a story, and I think in a lot of ways that's how you kind of have to approach the Bible. Uh, Doctor Michael Heiser says that um, you know, to really understand the Bible, read it like a piece of fiction, because if you look at the Old Testament. Uh, in particular, that's kind of how it reads, you know, somewhat like a piece of historical fiction. Not that it is that per se, but, you know, you don't 
pick it apart and analyze it, and especially bring, let's say, scientific questions to it, but read it for what it says, and then look back and interpret it and say, okay, what does this mean? You know, yeah. what, what, what the text tell you itself what it means. And then you have to go from there. Yeah, take uh, I, the references in the in the um, in the books of First and Second Kings about the the annals of the kings of Israel. It's a book that apparently we don't have. That's a more detailed book about the kings of the the kings of Israel. You know, and it says, and with regards to all of these things, are they not recorded in that book? If you want, you know, it's sort of like referring. If you want all of these details, go there. But we're talking about this in a different way. Yeah, you know, that's that's the way those those two. I'm not saying that that stuff's not true. It's just that it it's apparent that they are writing those books for a different reason. Yeah. You know, then to just record the names and all of the details and the deeds and things of the kings is not exactly what that's not exactly what that's for. So I think we've laid a decent uh, grounds. I think we've laid decent groundwork here for what we're going to talk about. So, um, you know, the Bible contains myths. Um, if you look at other ancient Near Eastern Near Eastern myths, that you find parallels between these myths and the Bible. So I think um, one quality of myth is that that they are stories that are retold in many different ways, you know. And every time it's told, it has a different spin. So you take the story of the flood, you look at the the biblical account of the flood, and you look at something say like um, the Epic of Gilgamesh, and there's somewhere you definitely see a the premise is more or less the same that the details are completely different. But it would be argued that it's one in the same myth or that the two myths or stories have a common source, either somewhere in history or uh, somewhere, you know. So it's kind of what, in a way, what we're talking about here today is uh, the myth of um, the Kusanagi and yeah, this is an ancient Japanese myth, but in the uh, being myth, it's been retold in the anime Blue Seed, and it has such a different spin on the traditional story. So, uh, you just want to give us a quick detail of this myth, Matthew? Sure. Once upon a time, Amaterasu, the sun goddess, was tricked by her brother, Suzano'o. He's known as the trickster god or the outcast god. He was tricked into hiding her face from the world, which meant that the sun was no longer shining. And to be punished for that, they outcast him into the world where he met a mother and father living on the, living on the earth. There's, there's more to it than this, but rather than try and overdo it, I'm going to say it this way. There's a mother and father there who once upon a time had eight daughters, but the Yamata no Orochi keeps showing up every year and eats one of the daughters. And they're down to the last daughter. So Susano O says, I will help you, but you have to promise to give me your daughter in marriage. Which they do, because it's better than losing her. So he comes up with a plan. He tells them, get me some sake rice wine. Get me a lot of it. So he puts at the door, doorway of, or he puts at the, the doorway, the doorways of the house that the couple lives in a big bowl of sake, and then draws his sword and waits for the Orochi to show up. And when it does, it sees the sake and says, oh, well, this is good. Let's go for that. So it gets drunk, gets very, very drunk, whereupon Suzano-o slays the Yamata no Orochi, and it's dead. But one of the things, whenever he goes to cut the tail off of it, this new sword comes popping out of it, which historically, this thing's got this interesting name, Ama, Ame no Morokumo no Tsurugi, which means the sword of the oncoming storm of heaven. <laughs> this sword plays, um, plays quite a bit of, of, of um, role in, in history because even today they say that it still exists, it belongs to the emperor. In the story in Blue Seed, Kusanagi, the, they refer to the Kusanagi as one of the characters in the story who meets the Kushinata, one of the, one of the, uh, that's the name of the daughters. That's the name of the family that 
whenever Susanna O oh and this daughter come together, they have this Kushnada. And that's the name of the family, and there's a descendant. And this uh, this girl is, you know, she is a direct descendant of, of them, and she meets a guy whose name is Kusanagi. So this is how they start to re redo that story. It's, uh, by the way, you, um, I told this to Pastor, I kind of burst his bubble whenever they were, um, a couple of years ago when Man of Steel came out. And they were talking about how, oh, you know, it's all got the Christ myth is all perfectly in there. And I said, nah, you see, they also tailored it to Japanese audiences. There's a lot of different things in there. They they tailored it to Japanese audiences because after Superman kisses Lois, he goes and fights the Orochi. Remember the big robot on the other side of the the other side of the earth that was destroying the earth? He has to go fight it. It's been a while since yeah, I've well, seen that people movie. People will go, oh, I haven't thought of this. Said, yeah, that's what they did. They they actually borrowed that for for part of that. The outcast god Kal El comes to Earth. He finds the princess, his princess, and then he winds up have, in order to save her. He has to fight that giant sort of serpent-like thing. It's got all of those tentacles that are going all over the place, and he yeah. has to, and he has to fight it. Say, so, yeah, that's that's in there too. My Pastor Gary was sort of like a, a, a little bit downtrodden. He's like, "Oh, really? They put that in there too?" It's like, "Yeah, but don't worry about it. Don't don't worry about it because it, it's it's still it still plays. You know, it's you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's not that he doesn't understand myth. It's just that he didn't realize that it was in there. And I said, "Oh yeah, I recognize that instantly. <laughs> so yeah, I've seen. Yeah. I've already seen this. You know, I've seen the story. You know, the Susanna O comes down. He's cast out of heaven. You know, Kal El is cast out. You know, and." And in that blue seed, now you got to watch all of that, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. What did you think of that? Well, it has the cheesiest intro song ever, but other than that, <laughs> I really liked it. Um, they all had cheesy songs. <laughs> that's that's very true. But I don't know. This one this one was like the worst because it was like in broken English and I forget oh, what it yeah, was. Yeah. yeah. And, even yeah then, I, and even then the words are like... They're, they're, nonsensical. They're cryptic. It's... Yeah. It's yeah. it's the best that you can do with it, but yeah, exactly. You know, but you, you know, one thing one thing I really noticed about the story, and the same with the show, is that um, this this and I'm going to call it an archetype, uh, this archetype of the god who slays the dragon. This thing yeah. is all over virtually, you know, every every culture in the world. Got these stories of of yeah, yeah. I mean, you have it in. Of course, here in Japan, you have it in, um, you know, the Near East with with Baal and Tiamat. You you have it in uh, Judaism with um, Yahweh and the and the Leviathan. You have it in Christianity with it's actually retold in Christianity like three different times. You have in um, the intertestamental period in the the Greek edition to Daniel. You have the story of um, Daniel and the dragon. If you have a Catholic Bible, that story is in there. Um, then you have, of course, in the Book of Revelation, uh, you know the great dragon that appears, and uh, Michael and his angels go in war against the dragon and his angels. And then uh, later on in Christian history, we have Saint George and the dragon. You know, yeah. And so, I mean, this is something that that has been in human consciousness for so long, and. Uh, here's another great quote from C.S. Lewis. I'm, of course, I'm going to paraphrase this, but uh, in one of his works, I can't remember which, um, Lewis kind of poses this hypothetical question. and says, if I was asked that if out of a thousand religions, oh, wait, wait, let me, let me rephrase this. He, he says that if, if only one, if someone were to ask me, if only one out of 1,000 religions were true, what would I say? You know, could I say that only one out of 1,000 religions were true and the other 999 were false? And he says, no, I couldn't, um, you know, because just the odds seem you know, very unlikely. But, but then he goes on to explain Christianity this way. He says, I don't believe that Christianity is like the one religion and that everyone else is completely false, you know, devoid of all truth. He says that Christianity is the culmination of all truth and all hopes. So in this way, I think what we really do see is that Christ 
you as, as the one who is, uh, especially we see there in, in Revelation 12, you know, he's born of the woman in heaven. Uh, you know, the dragon wants to destroy him, but he's um, taken up into heaven. And then at the end, you know, he, he marries his bride, the church, and the yep. dragon is thrown into the lake of fire. He defeats the dragon. Um, we see here that, you know, Christ is the fulfiller of all myth. He's the fulfiller of all archetypes, you know, of these universal, almost unconscious hopes that people have had, you know, throughout time. Christ is the fulfillment of all of these things. And so I, I think when we try to, de- like, demythologize the Bible, we, we want to get rid of myth, we want to explain things in a scientific way, um, what we end up cheating ourselves out of uh, are these connections that that uh, that we've had with all of human consciousness um, for all time. You see, that's the point that C.S. Lewis wants to make, and yeah, you're you're exactly right. The culmination of all archetypes, uh, because if if you think about what most of the the great um, myths of the world all have in common, is there's there's a, sort of a divine rescue that goes on. There's something, somebody comes and, and interjects into a situation that's a hopeless situation. And this is exactly what Christianity culminates in. The Christ comes, dies on the cross, and takes that, that all of it's sort of wrapped up in this idea of, of we would all be dead except that this one rose again. And this one plans to bring us all with him, you know. This and that culminates all, all of these different things. You know, the the eighth daughter that's going to die. You know, you mentioned it before um, in Revelation how um, Christ marries the bride. The bride is the church. You know, this is the reason why it's important. You know, to think about um, terms of people. Um, you know, a people being the bride. All of us together are the ones who are going to be taken up. And become, you know, part of the of the great feast when it's all over with. I I totally agree with you. C.S. Lewis would agree with you. Tolkien would agree with you. <laughs> so, did, is that enough praise? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I feel very validated. But but you know, this like what what the author points out in that that quote I read earlier. He you know, he says that the Tolkien um, believes that myths are sacramental. And I think that's a very interesting way to put it, because um, because it's typical that, like like you pointed out, that in these myths you you have this sort of divine intervention in these very yeah, um, not human like Deus ex machina. You know, a lot of people will will say that. Well, you yeah, know, that's like one of the worst ways that you can you can end a story, but that's not quite what it is. You know, it's not quite no. what these these myths. Um, that's not quite what they what they do. It's not like you know, here comes the god and just sort of trounces everything. You know, even Susanoo has to trick the Orochi, has to do something to, you know, he has to work within the confines of what he has, what what the situation is, you know, in order to get the job done. It's not like just easy. You know, it's just come snap my fingers and it's done, which is kind of what to, interesting. You know, as we begin to lose this kind of idea of the myth. Um, people think that the way God ought to work is just, well, he's just going to snap his fingers and everything's fixed. Yeah. And it's never, nobody's in history up until now has ever really thought that that's the way it ought to work. Yeah. Or that even that was good. You know, it's just like, well, you know, God can just fix this. He can just snap his fingers, boom, it's done. Yeah. And, you know, no, no. See, the people of the world used to understand things way you know, in a way more naturalistic way, like you know, they know that the tree becomes stronger. For instance, every every winter, because you know, whenever you eventually cut a tree down or whenever it gets knocked down, you look at the rings. The rings are what comes up every winter. You know, it gains a new ring for every winter that it that it had to endure. It becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. That's you know. The way people used to understand things, I think part of our problem is is that too many too many of us live in cities now. Just no connection to nature. Yeah, you know, no way to be able to look at, you know, like like for instance, you have to go to a zoo to actually see a quote unquote monster. You know, used to be you could just live out in the wilderness and you'd see them every day. You'd see living creatures every day. 
Yeah. You know, you just don't see that. So, and you don't, and you definitely don't have them threaten you anymore or be threatening or just sort of be there to be scared of them, you know, to, to get the, 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 the connection to the story, the, any, any of them, I don't care which, which it is. Anytime that there's the, the dragon that's going to, you know, C.S. Lewis has a great quote about, about, uh, I, I'm probably going to get this wrong because I'm so tired right now. I can't remember all, but I know that, you know, this, that he says that the story of the great dragon doesn't exist just to scare you about dragons. It's to, it's to show you that the dragon can be defeated. Yeah, you know, and I've always thought that yeah, that's a great point. You know, because yeah. if you because if you don't have that in mind, that you know, whatever the whatever the thing that is that is threatening you, if you just think that it can't be defeated, you know, you'll either try to ignore it or look away from it or just sort of do whatever it asks you to do. Then it becomes your idol. But yeah. if that can be defeated, then that's good news and christ defeats that you know the one of the things that they do is they sort of in in the new testament they personify death and christ dies you know god dies on a cross but he's raised again to newness of life and brings us with him yeah you know that's well that's the that's the perfect segue here because what i was thinking when you're talking about all the instant stuff because uh this past week i was listening to a debate between uh um it's not Dawkins, it's Hitchens. Uh Hitchens and um Oh, he he passed away not too long ago. A well, Hitchens Christian did. apologist. Well, yeah, well so, oh, so um, did the other guy. Um Um Oh He he was controversial. I don't um, too. I don't um, I would have to look it up. Yeah, he was, he was a big apologist and he always rustled some feathers with his views but anyways it, you know during this debate hitchens was like well if god is so good um why doesn't he just instantly get rid of sorrow See, and all pain and yeah. sin and death yeah and you know, I, I think this is a question that you couldn't ask ask the pagans because uh in the susano myth you know the susano is isn't um you know, he's not omnipotent he's not omniscient you know, for the pagans, the gods are always fallible. But uh, for the Christian, that's not the claim we make. You, we do claim that God is um, all powerful and and all of these things. You know, so it's like, well, that's a valid question. You know, if if God could get rid of evil, why doesn't he? You know, and I suppose he could. You know, he could just get rid of evil and suffering and death if he wanted to. But you know, it's not God who has the problem with evil. You know, God could overcome evil if he wanted to, but it's the fact that, and this is what we see in the incarnation of Christ, is that it's not enough for God just to get rid of evil, but it's also that he wants to triumph over evil in humanity. Yeah. So it's, it's not that God gets, it's not that God defeats evil, it's that humanity defeats evil. Yeah, because if so God, God comes in human flesh and does it. Yeah, it's because, <laughs> you know... Ultimately, what good would it be for just God to just snap His fingers and evil's gone? You know that what that means is that we just sort of live in sort of a ho hum life for the for the rest of. I don't I don't even know what it would look like. I don't even know if it would be efficacious. Ultimately, to just say, well, evil's gone now, just poof, it's poof, it's gone. What on earth would that look like? Yeah, yeah, and, well, it would probably and, mean and, that we would be gone. Yeah, well, that's well, that's. Because you know, a pastor had a great uh, thing that said, whenever um, someone says that they want um, they want God to snap His fingers and get rid of evil, what they're really asking for is Judgment Day. Yeah, <laughs> and what that means. <laughs> and, yeah, and what that, yeah. Yeah. and what that means is is that you know we're gone. You know, we're just not there anymore. You know, yeah, <laughs> and that would be the one way to get rid of evil. Just wipe out humanity in fact there's some myth. interesting i was about to say that there's a myth in the bible about that um you know there's all these people doing wicked things in the land and and god's unhappy that he even made us in the first place so he's going to wipe us out except that there was at least one person who found favor in god's eyes you know yeah 
So at that yeah. point, so at that point, you can even say that you know, you, someone can set aside whether whether the story of Noah is true or not. There's this nugget of truth there that's like, yeah, once upon a time, God was going to snap his fingers, and 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 he did, and look what yeah. it looked like, and it was, um, yeah, not a good thing. So no. if you want that again, if you want God to snap his fingers again, really what you're asking for is judgment day. Yeah. You, you know, it's funny because uh, this reminds me, one time I was in uh, class in, in, in Bible college, and uh, it may have been a systematic theology class because we were talking about uh, the nature and, and origins of evil. And I said, you know, I think sometimes uh, we, we blame the devil way too uh, too much for evil because I think if you read the Bible, and actually if you read the Old Testament, and you see the the Hasatan, it's not this personal entity, Satan. It's it's much more of a, a legal position, someone who accuses someone in a court of law, or someone yeah. who opposes someone. That's his it's role, not this, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not this um, you know, completely evil principle. I mean, that comes in later, definitely uh, through probably the influence of like Zoroastrianism and and other religions that kind of uh, thought about the origins and nature of evil. But you really don't see that in the Bible. You don't see Satan being this all-evil, all-powerful being. He's evil. Yeah. But, you know, I'm more inclined to believe that the human beings are actually more evil, or at least potentially more evil because we're made in God's image, you know. Um, yeah, we're made in God's image, but we're not God. We're not God, yeah. But nowhere do we nowhere do we read that Satan, uh, before his fall, had God's image. So the greater the being, um, the greater the evil wants to fall. And so that's my theory. And a lot of people <laughs> didn't like that um, because I think sometimes we don't want to to look at the the wickedness in our own heart and say that. Oh wait, yeah. that was actually mine. That we don't wasn't the devil. Yeah. That was just, that was I'm, all me. I'm busy blaming the devil for the things that I did. That's that's uh, an easy thing to do. Always pointing at the other, you know, kind of like Adam in the garden. That woman, that woman that you put with yeah. in here with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. <laughs> yeah. It's like it, oh, okay. <laughs> it, and of course, you see how how Satan is portrayed and. The first um, his first appearance there in the scripture, he's not this all powerful dragon like in Revelation. Yeah, he's not even human. No, that's an he, important a, thing that people miss in that story. He's yeah. not human. He's a, a snake. Yeah, not a lot of power there. Um, not necessarily a lot of evil, but he's the troublemaker. I guess you could say probably somewhat like the Loki character, evil, but. Um, more of an instigator than anything. Yeah, which says you know? more about him than if you had a detailed description of Satan, actually. Yeah. You know, it's it, it really does. Because, you know, I guess you, if you really wanted like a scientific definition and description, you know, measurement of, of Satan, you know, a picture of him or whatever, you know, I, I think that seeing him in the garden that way probably says more about him than that would ever. Yeah. I, but, but that's just me. You know, that's 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 me looking at it the way I look at things. There's no way that I would tell anybody that you know it isn't true because I think there's something even more true there. Yeah, something that's more sure, something that's more, more. You know, it says more than just the words themselves say. You know, the greater than the sum of the parts of the story. That's that's something that's you know, an emergent quality of God's word that, you know, you can't deny that can't be done away with no matter, no matter how much somebody tries to say that, Oh, you know what? It's just all untrue because you know, that's all, that's the way they were back then. They just wrote things this way. It's like, well, we still do. I mean, we still do this. We yeah. still, we still make fantastical stories up to tell each other all the time. And today we try and hide what we're doing by calling it entertainment. Yeah. But how much talk about the meaning of, of entertainment or the meaning of movies or the meanings of books, you know, dissections and, anal and analysis of all of these different things, you know, how much of that goes on? You know, as though we're, it, really it's just for entertainment or are we talking to each other about the same important things 
over and over and over again for thousands of years. Yeah. You know, and never forget this. And we've got, and you know, we're at like one hour and four minutes right now, Oh, <laughs> um, but that's all right. But never forget this. Like, like, like uh, Henry said there, the culmination of all of that is in Christ. All of those things are wrapped up in there. That's that's part of the reason why I like doing a podcast like this one. Because you want to do anime from a Lutheran perspective with a Lutheran perspective of seeing Christ and all of that. And seeing how, you know, it's just a, it's a reflection. I think Tolkien was the one that said that, you know, if you're going to do, if you're going to write myths in his in his day, it's all going to be reflective of that, the you know, the greater myth, which is, you know, Christ. So he probably didn't say it that way, but oh well. It's my probably show. much more it's British. My, it's it said it much more. No, I'm not even going to try to do that. So, <laughs> I'm too tired to try and do that. So, you've been listening to Angel Repair Juice today. Now let's do the the stuff that we 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 should always do this. Um, Angel Repair Juice PC at Gmail dot com. Send us an email there. Uh, run it back and listen to it again if you need Angel Repair Juice PC at Gmail dot com. You can look for us on Facebook. My name is Matthew Pancake. That's I'm Henry Volk. And you can find us. Yeah, that's fine. You can find us. Uh, you can find our page. You can find our group there. You can also look for the Twitter, ARJ uh, Podcast. That's an app on Twitter. Thanks for listening to us today. And may God bless you.